Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yep, that's it. Seven days since our last podcast and I get excited every day. But it's the Monday when I wake up. It's like Christmas, Mark, because it's time for another episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Well, I'm glad that you uh, feel that way. That's really nice to hear. And uh, even considering today you are... Cons- I mean, you have to, you, you'll, you'll say you look... Pretty average, mate. Do you think well, I look so average? Yeah, you're looking, you're looking average. You, you're looking like wow. you've not had a lot of sleep. Your eyes uh, look like they are still in bed asleep and you are there in body. So I just want to know, when are your eyes going to arrive? No, they're there, mate. They're present. I've had eight hours, Kip. I'm just a little bit tired after yesterday's North London derby, which we will get to, but I'm fine. Do you feel like you've actually played the full 90 minutes? Or oh, yeah. Is it because... Maybe on the refreshment side of things, it was slightly taken out of hand. Well, I think you could probably say it's one of those column A and column B sort of situations. I think there's a, a bit of both. But uh, how are you doing in Spain? What's the update for you? Uh, pretty much a lot of the same, really. Beautiful weather. It's, it's actually pretty, it's very, very warm. And one of the reasons it's very warm is that we, you, you get the wind from two different directions here. One from the east and one from, from the west. Right. If it comes from the it's coming across from Africa, so it's very warm winds. And they call it over here Lavanta, the Lavanta. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's been like that for the last three or four days and will be for the next five or six days the same. Wow. So the respite is difficult to receive unless you're in a house that's got air conditioning or whatever because it's so hot. The best time actually is go out. I went out last night at about nine, uh, quarter past nine, 9.30, went for a run on the beach. The weather was sensational. And a uh, nice, tight, a little bit of a, a sort of coolish sort of breeze, uh, which was really nice respite from a day of just non-stop hot wind. And went for a swim after the, the run as well. So, it, you know, beautiful. The sunset, sun, the sunset over the, uh, the Atlantic. So the, the sunsets every night are sensational. And uh, now loving it. So the update is pretty much the same every day. I love it. Is that beautiful weather. The sun sets over the Atlantic, get an amazing view every night, and generally most nights we're going for a run. If not for a run, we're catching up with some friends of ours and enjoying the, the, the Spanish hospitality. And what red goes best with that temperature? What, what would you suggest? Yeah, it's a tough one during the day, isn't it? I mean, if anything, you know, not surprised. We've had this discussion once before that, you know, there's, no, there's, no, uh, there's nothing against putting the bowl of red in the, in the fridge for a little while before yep. you have some get it down the temperature a little bit. Otherwise, room temperature is way, way too warm, unless you've got the air conditioning at all the time, of course. Yeah. yeah. Well, today I've gone for a Di Altillo Rio, uh, Rioja uh, in sort of celebration. A Rioja. Rioja. That's better. Rioja. Rioja. That's better. In celebration and appreciation of your time in Spain. It says here it's best served um, at 14 degrees Celsius. Yes. That's impossible at this stage uh, over here. So you'd have to put it in the fridge for a little bit. Let it cool down. So I've gone again, of, of course, I've gone to Spanish wine. This time yep. it's actually from Barcelona, uh, from just south of Barcelona. So it's a, it's a very well-established, well-known uh, wine here in Spain. Actually, one of the most well-known Spanish wines apparently around the world. It's San, Sangre de Toro. Ooh. It's original 2018. And is the word Sangre, is that Spanish for Sangria? Like, was there any relation or just a coincidence there? I don't think so. Yeah, I actually didn't go that far into my investigation. I don't think so. But it's, um, it's, uh, it's from the, the, the Torres um, winemakers. And they're very, very, very Fernando. well known. Yes, Fernando, yes. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get stuck into the action. 
Uh, I've got a headline here for you, Mark. Um, I've been, you know, people are going to be very excited, or maybe not excited is the right word, but interested in this headline. Uh, Pep to leave City. It's happening. Uh, yeah, it's official. Which city? Well, yeah, Pep Clotet to, to leave Birmingham City. But it's Pep leaving yeah. City, yeah. Did yeah, I almost exactly. get you? Did I almost no. get you? Nah. It's possible. It's all about timing, mate. All right. Where and did I go wrong? Why would he leave City when they've just had their European, you know, the Champions League ban lifted? Why would he leave? If it had actually been upheld, then I'd go, mm, yeah, actually, that could happen. Yeah, but the okay. fact is, They've they've, uh, they've had the band lifted. Yep. They are back in the Champions League for next season, and that is pre- that was well on their number one to do list. I would say, if not okay, maybe number two, just marginally behind winning the Premier League or re- regaining regaining the Premier League title. So, so, what do you make of it all? I mean, it's pre- it was a always going to be such a huge decision. They've got a was it a ten million euro fine uh, for all of this, which for me says. Right, so you got in trouble for spending money and the punishment is, well, you can get out of it if you spend more money for us. Is, is that sort of the ins and outs? No, no well, the, the, the fine of 10 million euros from the, uh, the, the Court of Arbitration for Sport was handed down because uh, allegedly they obstructed UEFA in their investigation. So they, they've been found not guilty uh, in terms of uh, being outside of the financial fair play. Um, and it has to do, my understanding of it, I mean, I'm not 100% uh, up to date on it, but my understanding of it is that there is a time limit to which UEFA can inflict any type of penalties or bans on a team, and it's within a five-year period. And my understanding of it all is that the evidence that UEFA had gathered or the information they had gathered was, was older than five years old. Right. So therefore, they couldn't they couldn't rely on that information, but apparently they did. So I, I don't quite understand that. I don't understand why UEFA were so hard and heavy on giving out a ban, whether or not they just did it as a token gesture, knowing too well that once it went to court of arbitration, uh, that it would be then uplifted. I'm uh, I'm not sure, uh, but it seems very strange as to why UEFA would would, would feel so strongly about their case. Um, when actually in a very short period of time, the court threw it out the window. So can you just shine a light a little bit as to how much this would mean to not only the players that are already there, but the prospective players coming in? I mean, as a fan, I know how big it is to have your team in the Champions League. Like, it's a, it's a no-brainer. But for a player, you, you went to... Still- Arsenal fan? Can you... What, when was, like, the last time? Oh, mate, yeah. You smell blood and you you attack at the moment. Well, you brought it up. So I, I just, didn't. I, I didn't. I'm just saying I would like to get your perspective on how much of a draw card it really, really is. Is it built up to be more than it is? Or, you know, missing out on it as from a City perspective, if they did, you know, a player's not going to all of a sudden want to come to Manchester City? If they were banned for two years, yes. That would prevent them from buying plays uh, definitely short term in terms of the quality of play. We're talking about a club that is um, at such a level now that the, the type of players they look to bring to the, to the club are of the elite of the elite. They're, they're, yeah. they're world class players. You look at their squad now, you know, you have to, when you acquire new players, you want to improve upon the squad you already have. I mean, they've already got a very good squad of players, so they need to bring in. Equally good, if not better, world-class players. So not having European football, I'm not saying that make it impossible, but it make it very, very difficult for them to, to bring in any type of world-class players, particularly players that are already playing Champions League football and want to be in there year after year. They don't want to see it. Any year is a missed opportunity to try and win the, the Champions League. I mean, the Champions League is the, the bee's knees of, of, of world football in terms of club competition. Don't care what anyone says. It's the number one tournament. I mean, there'll be arguments all over the world, but in my in my opinion, nothing beats the Champions League in club football terms. World Club Championship, yeah, okay, fine, it's great, yeah, you'll win it. But for me, the Champions League is the one. So um, it, it, it was imperative that they would be in that competition. Firstly, to 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 retain the services of someone like Pep Guardiola. Uh, you know, Kevin De Bruyne, they're talking about potentially may have moved on, even though he did come out publicly and say that he would want to stay. Raheem Sterling, all these guys, they're, they're, at, they're at the kind of 
not the pinnacle, because I mean, I'm, I'm, pinnacle sounds like it's, you know there's only one way for them to go. They are getting towards the pinnacle of their careers. Can they get better? Absolutely. Will they get better? Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But they're, they're, they're in their prime, and however long they stay in that prime, but they want to be playing in the top competitions. They want to be trying to win the top comp- comp- uh, competitions. So for Manchester City, it's such a huge, huge uh, finding. And the news is enormous for them. I mean, first, they talked about if they'd missed out these next two years, they would be a shortfall of over £200 million in revenue and prize money. So, so that, that in itself is enormous. And it's a difference between, you know, Pep being given a war chest of £150, £200 million pounds to, to buy players this next, the end of this season to, to, to possibly only having maybe £50 million. I, don't, I don't know. I really don't know the, the, the final details of it, but it's a significant... Uh, finding today or decision. So from a Leroy Sane perspective, I mean, we know that he wanted to leave anyway, just in general, needed a fresh start at Bayern Munich. Do you think maybe there was a percentage of, of what was going on for him? He was thinking, well, maybe maybe we will get the ban. Maybe this will stick and I don't want to be here for two years if we're not playing. I don't think um, the, the decision regarding Champions League football had any bearing on, on uh, Sane's decision to leave the club. I think that was... That was already in his head a long, long time ago. I, I think there's been a bit of a breakdown in relationship with, with various people. And I think they came to the agreement or the conclusion a little while ago that it was time for him to move on, that he wasn't going to be staying, that he wanted to move on. Um, so for me, and it, it, all, it all was pretty amicable by, by, you know, from the outside anyway. It yeah. looks pretty amicable at all. You know, the deal's gone, th- the deal's gone through. He's a, he's a Bayern Munich player. There's... There doesn't seem to be any negativity. There's no firing shots from either side. They've obviously agreed to, to keep it all in-house. And I think that's, that's the perfect way of doing it. Um, because otherwise, for me, why would Leroy Sano want to leave Manchester City? Yeah. You know, I mean, yes, Bayern are a phenomenal club, a phenomenal team, but they still don't spend the kind of money that Manchester City do. Um, you could argue, you know, Man City have got an infinitely better manager in terms of at least on paper. Andy Flick's done a tremendous job at Bayern Munich, but he hasn't won European football yet. You know, he's, he's in the shout this time around, but it's going to be tough for him because of the break that they had now between the end of the Bundesliga season and the restart of the Champions League in August. So for me, it doesn't make a lot of sense in terms of, is it a career move in terms of bettering himself, wanting to go to a bigger and better club? Traditionally, probably Bayern. You know, Bayern have been up there for a long, long time forever as being one of the powerhouses of Europe. Manchester City are kind of that newer era. Um, new money, new ownership, um, relatively speaking. So I, I still believe it's more to do with, with personal relationships at Man City as to why Leroy Sané moved on. Mark, let's, let's get stuck into the elephant in the room. Uh, you've been bugging me to talk about this. I know how excited you are. North London derby yesterday... I mean, I didn't watch it. I didn't did you not it. watch it? No, I wasn't interested. It's too stressful for you, you big gooner. Yeah, you I can't did. stand it. You were supposed to win. <laughs> he did not. Come on. I, I did tip him to win. Really? Yeah, I tipped him to win. On, on, uh, on the Saturday morning show, um, leading up to lead up to kickoff, the 12.30 kickoffs here in the UK, or in the UK, uh, on up to sport, I did predict that Spurs would beat Arsenal. Even though, even though Michael Bridges, who is a supposed one of his clubs is Spurs, I say yep. one of his clubs, well, no, he's got one of the many multiple clubs that he supports, and he's been bad mouthing them, saying that they're going to lose against Arsenal, and he wants Jose to go. He's like Jose's never lost at home against Arsenal. How do you write him off like that? You know, and they beat them two one, and I said it as well. So they're going to win. The headlines, there's plenty of them. Um, some people were calling it a, a Mourinho masterclass. I mean, give me a spell. Seriously. That wasn't a masterclass at all. They, I, no. Like, what, what were the takeaways for the game, do you think? Did they deserve it? Uh, it was very predictable. Very predictable because, you know, like, listen, we all know that Arsenal are more than capable of scoring goals and can score great goals. I mean, like I said, goal was, was, a, was a brilliant finish. Absolutely sublime finish. We all know that. that. That, for me, is no surprise whatsoever. And then shortly afterwards, there's a mistake at the back for Arsenal. 
that leads to a, a goal, a gift. But let's be honest, Son had to do a lot to finish it. You know, and he and he did really well. He used his pace, outpaced that of Louise, used a bit of bit of uh, bit of bit of uh, grass to get past him a bit as well. But also the pace, but the finish uh, was was sensational. Then you know the game obviously is in a balanced one all. However, again, set play, Arsenal. I think it's more of a zonal sort of marking rather than picking up. Tierney's on Aldevira. What turns out that he's on Aldevira, he's got no chance. But even more so for me. I don't necessarily look at it and go, well, defensively, uh, Arsenal were really poor in that instance. I have to say that the delivery was, was, was excellent. The delivery was such a really good delivery. It was very difficult for an Arsenal player to defend against, unless you've got like, your line staggered. Arsenal were very much in one line. So if the ball is at the perfect height, like it was, the Spurs player, Aldevera, can get a touch on the ball before any Arsenal player can. And that's what happened. And it ends up in the back of the net. And it's a great, it's a great header. It's a great goal. I'll throw this one at you. Uh, Martinez, I think he should start next season. I really do. This interests me, right? I mean, how many games has he played? Is it four now? I think it's his fourth, yeah. possibly fifth. So after four games, you're saying he should be starting. Yeah, Leno's had a fantastic season. Yeah, but Martinez has been keeping clean sheets for fun. Yeah, Other but, than on the weekend, no- but, you know. Leno's played, what, 31 games? He's had a fantastic season. Right. Martinez has played four games. And yes, he's played really, really well. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not putting him down. He's been great. But why all of a sudden is he now number one? What he's done is he's shown he's been a very, very good number two. He's stood up, he stepped up. He's played four games and he's been excellent. Let's see. Okay, will he fulfill the remainder of the fixtures in the season? Probably, because Leno possibly won't be fit. Maybe he will be fit. Who knows? Will he then be able to maintain the level of performance between now and the end of the season? Then, if he, there's a break, then all of a sudden, start next season, and then he's number one with Leno breathing down his neck. Is he able to perform under that pressure? That's the next big question. I, I just think that it's, it's, it's crazy that people jump to conclusions straight away and go, oh, Martinez now has to be number one. He's played four great games. Wow, hey, okay. Tell me what you really think. Bloody hell. Okay, so I'll tell you what I really think. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's a... I thought of this when, when he kept his... I think he's kept possibly three clean sheets. Maybe, maybe I've... Yeah, I think so. Maybe two. Two or three. In a goalkeeper's contract like that, I'm assuming there are incentives, right? You get little bonuses, you know, for clean sheets, I'm assuming. Um, would he be looking at having some seriously good incentives because he's going to be a number two they've gone something ridiculous. Like, is there a chance they've gone, all right, mate, if you keep, keep five clean sheets, we'll give you 10 million pounds because let's be serious, you're not even going to play four or five times, let alone keep uh, five clean sheets. There won't be anything uh, like that? No. No. Listen, you, you, um, it depends, right? So when I was at, when I was at uh, Fulham, I, I had a clean sheet bonus. So every time we kept we kept the clean sheet, or I kept the clean sheet, I get an additional bonus, right? And it was it was it was a good bonus, but it wasn't wasn't like like ten million pounds. Obviously, nowhere near anything anything like that. It's madness. Um, when I went to Chelsea, we my agent asked for the same thing, and they went, "What are you talking about? You want us to pay you a bonus for something that you're supposed to do? That's part of your job description. Keep clean sheet." Yeah. So why are we going to give you an additional bonus for keeping a clean sheet? I mean, the same argument can be had for a striker. Why give a striker a, striker a goal-scoring bonus? But that's what he's there for. He's there to score goals. So why do you give him an extra bonus for doing so? But, I mean, it each comes down to the individual club. You know, and, and um, Chelsea, they were used to winning games all the time. They were used to keeping clean sheets. That is a formality. That's a full-blown conclusion when you go to Chelsea. At Fulham, they knew every time you kept a clean sheet, it was one step closer to, to being in the league and maintaining status in the Premier League for the next season. So there's different, there are different objectives for both clubs, you know, depending on the level of clubs. I can't imagine for life for me that Arsenal would have a clean sheet bonus for each player or for the, for the goalkeepers. Even for a, I just figure like a, a number two and quite clearly as we've seen, I mean, you, you, you um, are critical, but that's fine, but he's a bloody good number two, which you've admitted, right? So, but to, yeah, to no, keep him in no. that position, what is what I'm saying is surely there have to be incentives for him to want to stay and be in that position. 
you know, maybe it was different for a starting goalkeeper, but for him... What bigger incentive do you want? What bigger incentive do you want as a, as a player that you get given an opportunity to play in the first team week in, week out? What he may have is he may have appearance bonuses. So every time he may have a, a, a monthly retainer, which is at a certain amount, and then because he's a number two or an up-and-coming number, number one but as a number two, they may go, okay, well, because we're not going to pay you X, Y, Z per month, but what we're going to do is every time you play in the first team in a Premier League game, you may get an extra, I don't know, couple of thousand, 10,000, 5,000. I, I don't know. Whatever the agreement will be, that's not uncommon. And that, that I actually think would be more realistic as opposed to getting a clean sheet bonus at Arsenal. So just back to what you said, right, about Mundus keeping clean sheets. Yeah. So he came on against Brighton. It, it was at the time when he came on. Do you know what the score was? Uh, it was one all, was it? No, it was nil-nil. So he let in a goal. They lost two, sorry, two goals in. They lost 2-1 Yeah. To, to Brighton. Then they beat Southampton away 2-0. They, they actually played the cup game of the, of the FA Cup against Sheffield United away. They won 2-1, so they didn't keep a clean sheet. They beat, up, they beat Norwich 4-0, which, yeah. So he's kept two then. Then they beat Wolves 2-0. That's three clean sheets. Since then, he has another clean sheet. They drew. So he's kept, he's kept uh, what am I saying? Three clean sheets. Yeah. So he's played how many? Games one, two, three, four, five Premier League games, six Premier League games, three clean sheets. That's not bad going. It's pretty good. That's not, <laughs> but that's six games. That's six Premier League games. Come on, like let, let's see over the course of you know 30, 38 games if he plays a full season, which he won't, because Berlin will be fit. Once he's fit, he'll be back in the team. You, I'd be, I'd be. See you later. If I was Martinez at the end of this season, after seriously, if he, okay, so there's three more games well, left. After six games, I think so. I think he's shown. Yeah, it doesn't. Have a goalkeeper. It's a bit different with an outfield player. With a goalkeeper, it's all about having that 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 confidence, that self belief, that confidence from your manager that they believe in you, that you're number one, your teammates around you. So wherever a club has had two number ones or a manager hasn't made up his mind on who's the number one and there's been the chopping and changing, what I can never remember, any club that I've ever seen that's done that, and there's been very few that do it, very rarely do you have any consistency from either of the goalkeepers because they know that if they play one bad game, they're probably out of the team. They make one bad mistake, they're out of the team. And the confidence just drops. It, it drops like a like like a lead balloon. So I, I I mean listen, like I said, he's done he's done really, really well. No no two words about it. But Bert Leno, what he's done over the course of what, the last two years that he's played as number one, for me carries more weight than when someone comes in and plays six games and plays well. What Madness has done is done a really good job as a number two. He is the number two. If he goes on to play another, say, 10, 12, 15 games because Leno's still injured or because maybe Arteta decides to leave him in because of that, who knows? Then, okay, then we can start saying, okay, well, maybe he's going to take over as number one now. But at the moment, after six games, you know, he's not number one. No. Halftime drinks here on the Two Shop Reds. Uh, I think it came at a good time because you were getting a little bit st- well, stressed, probably isn't the right word, but you're, being, you're getting worked up then. Oh, yeah. You reckon? Because you're a big Think that I'm getting so worked up. That's not worked up, you know. Just excited. There's yeah. differences there. So you're doing your uh, one. How's it going down, mate? After after your big day yesterday. You're trying to make it out like I've not even been to bed. I was asleep by ten o'clock in the evening. I just look a bit tired today. It was your big day yesterday? That's all. Yeah. That's all. I mean, um, you obviously were very down in the dumps yeah. after after losing to to Spurs. Did you actually go out with a mate who's a Spurs fan? No, he's well. I've got a West Ham fan. He's a West Ham fan, so you know oh, that was. It's been ribbing you as well. So like West Ham four nil, Antonio four goals, <laughs> and look at your team can't even win at uh, Spurs. Oh, it's all good. I, I go for Crew anyway, so it doesn't really bother me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, Ollie. What's up? <laughs> Jeez, I tell you what. I reckon I could switch teams to Watford. I like them. Went there on the weekend for the first time. Really, you said a crew fan, and you go, "Oh, you know what? I can actually change teams to Watford." Oh, I could. I could. What is that? So Elton John stand, brilliant. You don't change football clubs often, as you, you you change your underwear or what? You do. So why can't I? I don't. 
Yes, you do. You say I go for all the clubs that I've appeared for. I support. I, I yeah. support. I'm not saying I'm an avid fan. I'm not someone who'll go to a game with that shirt on. I support them. I, I'm like I like to see them do well. I'd That's lo- it. I'd love to go to a game with you as a fan, not for work, and then you wear a Schwarzer shirt. That would be like imagine <laughs> that going to a Fulham game with a Schwarzer shirt. It's, it's not gonna happen. Well, what if what if your son plays for them? That might be a bit different. You could probably do it. Yeah, there. I'm not going to be wearing a, a shirt with shorts on the back of the ring. Sorry. Oh, well, if we do, if we go, I'll wear one. I'll happily wear one. Oh, well, then we'll be sitting very far apart from each other. <laughs> You'd love it. You'd love it, don't you? With an arrow pointing to you, going. By the way, <laughs> you you you'll wear a hat. You'll put it on yeah. without me. It'll be an arrow. I'm with Schwatter. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. The, thing, uh, the good thing about that is no one over here would understand what that meant. Only in Australia they'll know that. No, well, that's, yeah, no. You've got to give yourself more credit. I think they would. Or they'd think you're, um, who did that guy, when we were in France, who did he think you were? There was a French guy who was convinced, not that you were Southgate, because no. that's not quite often. There was I'm a, not sure. Oh, mate, that was brilliant. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I can't remember. Yes, you can. <laughs> One of the great moments. Hey, mate, let's uh, have a quick relegation update. A um, few massive results on the weekend for, for uh, mainly the bottom five. Huge, really. Uh, none more so than Bournemouth. What, yeah. what happened there? Four, was it 4-1 over Leicester? And you just go, I mean, you'll probably say you tipped them to win, but knowing you. But I don't think anyone saw that happening. That was outstanding. Let, let me just say, right, I, I did do some tipping, right? Here we go. And Here I we go. Didn't, didn't pick that one. I didn't, even, okay. I didn't even discuss that one. But I'm not actually that surprised. I'm not surprised that Bournemouth did actually beat Leicester because Leicester's been, Leicester's been I, I think their form this year has been very, very average. No, nowhere near a top four side. And even Brendan Rodgers now, you can see that I think there's some relationship strain within that change room, that group. Because even he is now coming out and saying, we'll just end, we'll end where we deserve to end, up on the table. And there just seems to be, they consider the goal and everyone's heads went down. It was almost like, oh no, we're going we're to get done here. Do you mean and there's a fractured relationship between the players or the players and Brendan? I think there's a combination of all of the above, potentially. I think there are some very unhappy campers in that group. Um, and I think it tells by their performances and it tells by their by their, their, their lack of fight after they went, uh, well, after they conceded the goal. I mean, they won it up. They got lucky with the, with the goal. Jamie Vardy was, was very fortunate, but in the right place at the right time, and that's what he's there to do. Um, so they go 1-0 up, and Leicester generally, you would expect 1-0 up away at Bournemouth would go on and finish the game and finish the game comfortably. Um, instead, they, they capitulate. You know, it starts off, obviously, with, with you know, a mistake from Casper Schmeichel, and then from there, just... I think within 120 seconds, they find themselves two or three, one behind. It's mm. just ridiculous. Then, obviously, they get um, Soyuncay sent off for, like, again, madness. And that, again, that, that, is a, that is another indication that not all is well. You know, the, the, the goal is scored. The Bournemouth players in the goal trying to, I think it's King trying to pick the ball up out of the back of the net because, obviously, they're desperately wanting to try and win the game. And he, he kicks him. What are you doing? Like, seriously, what are you thinking at that moment in time? I mean, the referee, the referee couldn't be quicker on the spot to pull out his red card. I mean, it was, it was that blatantly obvious and so poor from Zoncho. Um, I mean, it's madness. And it, that, that just shows me that, that there's a lot of frustration in that, in that group. He's clearly someone who's, who's, who's frustrated. And maybe, maybe there's a lot of finger pointing going on in the room. Maybe there's, maybe there, you know, people, uh, the players are, uh, are, are not happy with the atmosphere, the manager coming out afterwards and saying that we're just not good enough, we're going to end up where we deserve to end up and that's it. Um, I, I see them dropping out of the top four and if they're not careful, 
they they will get sucked and they may even they may even find themselves have to check what what position is but under severe pressure even to have any European position. Well, yeah, so they're currently 59 points, fourth on the table. Man United with 58, and the form they're in. And they've got a game in hand, mind you, as well. So yeah. they'll play tonight against Southampton. So at time of recording, they sit at fifth. But if they win that, they then go above Chelsea in third spot. I mean, they're, they're, only, fifth, sorry, they're only five points uh, ahead of Sheffield United in seventh. And that, that's the European place. Uh, Europa League will more likely be in seventh place, down to seventh. Yeah. But Spurs are on the weekends. There's three games to go for all of those teams other than Manchester United um, and Southampton. So, you know, they've obviously got to have a, they've got to continue their horrendous run, Leicester, but they're not secure of keeping a European place full stop as yet. What about the villains? That was a huge win for them against Crystal Palace. The, the key there, I mean, we, I, mean it's, I hate even saying it because it sounds ridiculous. We know that goals win football games, naturally. That's the, that's the way the, the game works. But so is when, that, when we... Limited yeah. experience in football. Yeah. Um, is that yeah. you've so far learnt that scoring goals generally gives you a good opportunity to win a game? And not always. But, yeah, generally, generally I find that it helps. Definitely. But What do you mean? Well, um, well, well, what do you no, I was always. just making a joke, Mark. I was making, uh, you know, a bit of a funny look on things, a bit of a sideways look, you know, on, on where we're going with this conversation. So just switch on it, please. Uh, <laughs> I wanted to say, though, that they just can't... Their actual ball movement's pretty good. You know, Villa, the way they play, it's not like they're... Yeah, you know, a Norwich, for example, who just thought pretty helpless from start to finish. They, they play well. They just can't find the back of the net. But you see yeah, what but, they do. It's, they're a good team. Yeah, but listen, Nor- Norwich have played at times this season some really good football. Great football to watch, but can't score goals. You're right. Villa, w- what is the point of playing great football if you get relegated? Or good football yeah. if you get relegated? What, what's the point? I mean, you know, this stage of the season, the questions you're already, I mean, it always happens. You know, or, or nearly always happens that a couple of teams that are just above those relegation positions win. They get a little bit of breather space. They kick off a little bit earlier, and then the, the later on in that day or the next day, the teams below them win. I mean, the questions are: Why didn't Bournemouth win a couple of weeks ago? Why didn't Aston Villa win a couple of weeks ago? Then you know they'd be in the genuine chat. I mean, listen, they still got a chance, of course, um, but it's still for me very, very tough for either of those teams to get out of that. I mean, the, the big thing is West Ham. Are, West Ham are playing Watford yeah. next game. That's huge. Sixteenth and seventeenth spot. Whoever wins that game, if, if one of those teams win it, then all of a sudden, I think that team's safe. Right. Then, then, then the other loser of that game will be looking over their shoulder very nervously. Um, and that comes down to whether Bournemouth or Villa can, can, can continue and win back-to-back. When was the last time Bournemouth and Villa won back-to-back Premier League games this season? I actually couldn't even tell you. So, looking at it now, if we look at the bottom six, we know Norwich is confirmed. Reading up the table, we've got Villa, Bournemouth, Watford, West Ham, which we've just discussed, and then the adoptive uh, Australian team in Brighton. And they sit on 36. So, you would say that they're, you know, Crystal Palace at 42. They're well safe there. So, um, who will get third spot, do you think, in that relegation fight? Will it stay the same as Norwich, Villa, Bournemouth? Or will, do you think one of those will get out? Um, I, you know, I, I thought, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit torn. I mean, last week I would have said 100% Bournemouth, Villa, and obviously Norwich in before last weekend's game was just a formality before Norwich were relegated. Yeah. But I was all that Bournemouth and Villa were gone. I, I, thought, I thought Bournemouth were, were completely disarrayed. I thought... You know, he'd lost, I think, I, I thought Eddie Howell was struggling with the group. I thought he'd lost his spark with them. I thought that they were no longer kind of felt like they had a chance of staying up. The win against Leicester may give them, may give them that little bit of extra confidence that they seem to be, well, seem to have looted them for, for a long, long time now. The only problem with Bournemouth right now, the next game, mm. they got Man City away. So any confidence they may have gained against Leicester could be blown out of the park against Manchester City because Manchester City in their, in their form 
I would not be surprised if they beat Bournemouth five six nil. Well, no, why would you? They beat uh, Brighton five nil, and and I think it says a lot about them too, considering that they're obviously you know we, we, as we know Liverpool have won. They can't. I don't think that they can drop to third. Uh, no, they can't. They can't. So. You're looking at it, yeah, so they're 12 points. Yeah, you're right. So they're 12 points clear of Chelsea. So you go, well, what's there to play for? <laughs> but if they've gone out there against Brighton and gone, bang, 5-0. <laughs> well, well the, the, you asked the question, what's there to play for? What's, what's to play for is the Champions League. So they are, they are prepping for the Champions League. Right. This is, this is, their, this is their pre-season, their lead-up yep. for the Champions League. They've got a, I mean, the way that they're playing, I know I said it a couple of weeks ago, Bayern, for me, were the team to beat and, and were one of the favourites to win the Champions League. The problem with Bayern, and I also said it again afterwards, was that they've had a break and all they're doing is playing friendly games now. And that, could, that, that for me, is a big, a big hindrance to them. Manchester City now are the team. You look at any other teams, you look at Real Madrid, you look at Barcelona, Juve, you look at all the teams that are left back in the Champions League. I mean, Lyon, PSG, they're not playing. You know, they're, they're playing friendly games as well. And they've been playing friendly games for months now. So Manchester City are the most informed team currently because they're, they're playing, they look awesome. They look awesome. Uh, I mean, I know they're going to be a, it's going to be a challenge. There's not a full-blown conclusion against Manchester, against uh, Real Madrid. No. But I, I, Manchester City, man for man, are too good. And so, so if you were a manager of, I mean, not in terms of manager of Munich or City in terms of the list, but you would feel much better being a manager of a team that has to that essentially gets no break rather than a manager of a team that, whilst physically are refreshed, you think that that is a hindrance mentally. But, but the question is, they've already had that physical break yeah. during, the, during lockdown. So that, that break has been done, done and over. Even though they have trained them, played their games, the mental, the mental fatigue hasn't been there. And the a training break too. So you've gone on, off, on, off, on, off. That's right. So now that, 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 that uh, Bayern, they're still training, they're still playing friendly games. It's not the same. Not only are they playing friendly games, they're playing friendly games in their empty stadium. So it's really, really tough to continue the momentum, the, you know, that, that, that swing of, of form that they've had. So for Manchester City, though, they just seem to be powering on and getting better and better with each game. So I fear for Bournemouth in the next game. And then for Bournemouth, it comes down to the final two games of the season. You know, and you look at Bournemouth. Um, see, I, I also believe that if, if that West Ham Watford game ends up in a draw, that also may well be enough. Not, a, not necessarily enough in terms of points, but enough of a buffer then, because I don't see Bournemouth won't win the next game. Then, then if you go on to, to, to check on Aston Villa and their next fixture, they're away at Everton. You just don't know what, you don't know what Everton's going to turn up. You don't know. You don't know if Everton are going to uh, be any good or they're just going to be garbage like they were on the weekend against Wolves. Um, I would think there'll be a reaction after the really poor performance against Wolves. And I still fancy Everton to get a result against Villa because I just don't think they're not good enough. Um, and then after that, Villa's got an easy three points against Arsenal at home. So that's um, locked in. That's fine. So we, we, can, we can notch that down. Well, Arsenal away from home being strong and, and, and okay. you know, Again, I see Arsenal beating, beating Villa. I, I, I just don't see Villa getting enough points, being able to get enough points. Um, I, 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 think, I think the bottom three will stay as is. Yeah, it's heating up, and I absolutely love it. Also heating up in the championship, mind you, as well. Stoke, big win on the weekend, which might see them safe. Leeds only need, I think, four points now uh, to, be, to be crowned champion. So it's, uh, it's an exciting time of the year. Uh, one story did pop up. Uh, last night, which I was looking forward to chatting to, friend of the show, and when I say friend of the show, I mean that only because you know him, uh, but Milo Jedinak uh, has decided to hang up the boots. Been a great career, hasn't it? It's been a sensational, uh, looking back, because often when a player does this, I'll go, oh yeah, I'll go, oh yeah, oh yeah, jeez, like he's done some bits and pieces. It's, uh, it's a sad day, but it's an exciting game, I suppose, for his family as well. Uh, I think... I'm just surprised, in a way, that it's taken so long to announce it. Yeah. Because it just seemed that, you know, it's been obviously a long time since he last played his, game, last, his last game, and it just sort of seemed like, well, is he going to actually announce it, or is he just going to let it go and just sort of 
disappear into the wilderness or go into coaching or whatever. And I, and I mean, I never came out officially in the downside of the um, which is fine. People, I think, just assumed that at the age of 43, he wasn't going to play anymore. Whereas Millet, he was linked with going back to the A-League, um, potentially going to, to India or, or in the Middle East somewhere. And obviously that never kind of eventuated. So, yeah, no, to listen, it's, it's, it's just unfortunate. It happens to all of us. You know, you get to the end of, the end of your career. Um, yes, he's had, a, he's had a great career. You know, he was captain of Australia, winning the first Asian, Asian Cup trophy on home soil, which obviously being the first will always be there in history, you know, to be the first captain, mm-hmm. first uh, Australian, you know, Socceroos captain to lift the Asian Cup on home soil. Um, when will the Asian Cup ever be back in Australia again? Who knows? Um, when will Australia ever have a chance to win the Asian Cup ever again? Who knows? But I think, you know, it's a tremendous achievement to score um, at the World Cup like he like he's done on a couple of occasions. Uh, he was one of the one of these, I think, standout performers at the World Cup for Australia. Um, I think he, he he's had a, a a far better career than a lot of people probably thought he would have. Um, he was a little bit late getting his opportunity playing for the national team, particularly as a regular. And I think there were times where people doubted whether or not he was capable of, of stepping up and being that leader. And he's proved them all wrong. And he's been a been a great servant of the game and been a, uh, a very you know a top top quality captain for the Socceroos and um, and has had a really, really good career and, and I wish him all the very best. When uh, players retire, you often think, you know, certainly if they've played for a few teams, uh, you have your own reasons for the way you picture them. You know, you picture them in a certain shirt. Who Who is Milay Yedinak in terms of a footballer? How, how do you look at him? Do you look at him as a as the captain of the Socceroos? Do you look at him as a, a Palace great? Uh, how do you picture him? Um, I, I think he's he's definitely got a bit of a cult, cult following from Crystal Palace, uh, being part of the Crystal Palace side that got promoted, won promotion that year as well. So I think that forever is kind of like ingrained within the, the, the fans of the club that you, know, you play a massive part in that. Uh, he, you know, he played a big part in. He was captain of Crystal Palace when they were in the Premier League, and, and he and he did a really good job. I was actually surprised when he left when he left uh, Palace to go to Aston Villa. Um, but you know, I think for me, first and foremost, the soccer recruits coming back, playing against Honduras in those qualifiers, those do or die qualifiers, after hardly playing a game of football for twelve months because of injuries. I thought he was absolutely outstanding in both those games. The first one in particular away in Honduras, he was, he was incredible. At home, of course, scoring the goals, scoring the penalty was, was brilliant. So instrumental in that part. So for me, first and foremost, I see him as, you know, a soccer Um, and then obviously towards the, the kind of latter part of his career, the, 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 the captain and winning the Asian Cup. But then I think probably even more so, uh, no, not even more so, but then the next for me would be Central Coast Mariners, being part yeah. of that Central Mariners squad that came through. A lot of young players, Grandmother was the manager, and making, making the A-League Grand Finals against kind of a lot of, against the odds, low budget, um, good crop, really good crop of young players coming through. And I probably see more there. As, wow. as I more about a Central Coast Mariners midfielder and a young up-and-coming talented midfielder and then, firstly, first and foremost, soccer is. Well, it's, it makes sense because when I think of you, I think of you as a Marconi player. That's, that's I all I see you as. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's really because of the hair and you can relate. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that, now that is a Schwarzer I could get around. <laughs> Unreal. Hey, speaking of friends of the show, I also saw that Stoke have released Adam Federici. He's a big friend of the show. He is, yeah. No, it's a real shame. You know, I, you know the move didn't quite work out. Well, it didn't work out for him. I know when he when he signed for Stoke, he was really excited because it was an opportunity. He felt that it was a really good opportunity for him to be number one at the club. Uh, there was all the talk about Jack Butman being sold and moving on to a to a Premier League club, and unfortunately for for Adam, that never eventuated. Um, you know, Jack Butman fell away massively in terms of form. The interest for him going going to a to a Premier League club uh, waned very very quickly. And then Adams found himself, for, for particularly the most Martin during this season, as number three, um, which has been really, really disappointing for him. He, you know, the, the, the one time in his career where he really had a lot of consistency and played really well was at Reading mm-hmm. and made it into the Premier League 
Reading and, and, and did a, had a fantastic season in the Championship that season. Unfortunately, didn't go to play in the, in the Prem. And, uh, you know, I, I'll wish him all the best and it'll be interested, very interesting to see what his next move will be. Do you think it's still in England? Do you think the rest of his career or...? Not really sure. I know, I know he's, um, his wife's from England, so, but he's also, you know, he's very Australian. My understanding, the last time I spoke to him, he did very much the idea of him and his wife and his family wanting to go back to Australia. Um, is he ready to go back? I'm not quite sure. Does he see an opportunity to go back and play in the A-League? That may well be a case. I really don't know. I haven't spoken to him. Um, but I'd be a little bit surprised if he were to go back just yet. I think, I think he's more than capable of staying in England, uh, staying in Europe and, 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 and picking up another club and, and, and try hopefully getting a club where he's going to be playing with him out for the remaining years of his career. Hey Mark, uh, how about your wine? Is it fairly individual, do you think? Or was it um, a little bit stock standard? Or where's, what are your feelings? Uh, my feelings are that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a really summery kind of wine. Lots of red fruits. Uh, so it's got a real summer fruit taste about it. Uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like that word. It's great with barbecues. Oh, I mean. So what else do I say? You know, it's honest. Yeah. And it's a double wine. What do you mean and by honest? Are we going to go so far as now also reveal our player? Yeah, go on. Yeah, but I'd also like to know what you mean by honest. An honest wine. In terms of because it's so fruity, it's really that, that, that feeling of those red berry, red and black berries. So it's exactly what you're expecting from it. Right. No surprises. So it's a very honest, very fruity, delightful, and uh, uncomplicated. Mm-hmm. And like I said, great with a barbecue. And this player, I was I never think about it. And it's not a player I played with. I played against on a lot of occasions. Had a lot of real battles with him. Uh, he was a, he was he was a, a player that predominantly played up front, but also at times would end up in the centre half and they were trying to hold on to a result, right? And find himself in the back. He's a big, big imposing figure up front. He himself loved the physical battle, as did I. So he'd come out for crosses, if he elbows, if he knees, if he like coming together and everything else. But he was always really honest. There was nothing nasty about him. And he's a top, top guy. And we've had him on the show in terms of he's done some recordings for us and we've had a plate on the show. And uh, he's such a, a happy-go-lucky guy. If you think about barbecues, summer, the weather, what's not to be loved about, what's not, you know, you, what's not to be happy about. And the wine, like I said, is, is that wine that is uncomplicated, honest, and a delightful wine. So for me, it's very fitting that it's Dion Dublin. I thought it might have been him. He actually was appeared on an ad yesterday, and I thought the same thing. I went, "Geez, that is one. He's one happy man, isn't he? He's just, he is. he's just brilliant. I love it. Geez, you could learn a thing or two off him, couldn't you? With your attitude, yeah, you could. Yeah, yeah, you could. <laughs> uh, my my Rioja. Um, it's quite nice, as we know that oh, I quite like a sangria, and so and it's traditionally used for the sangria. Um, yep. So it, it, yeah, so it's you know making me feel like one of those. Also, given my current uh, estate, it's gone down like barbed wire, uh, but it's still been nice. <laughs> it's still been nice. <laughs> uh, just reading on the back here, in particular, it, it's similar in terms of the red ripe fruit of yours. We've sort of been able to share that in common. But I was interested to see here that it, they reckon it's pleasantly smooth. Again, not for me today, but I can I can understand that. Uh, it, yeah, it is uh, pleasantly well, smooth. I uh, actually think you glass of water would you would actually describe that as not being very smooth. Yeah, no, correct. Yeah, it's just a uh, no. I'll tell you tomorrow. Um, but it's it's pleasantly smooth on the palate. Best served between fourteen and sixteen degrees. Now I've done a little bit of research. And it was exactly 14, no, it was exactly, sorry, 16 degrees yesterday in London uh, at kickoff time for the North London Derby. And this man, we've talked about him in this episode because he's been pleasantly smooth and a massive surprise. So pleasantly, just like, oh, he's not that bad. And that is my man and yours, Emmy Martinez. It's best served at a 16 degree temperature and an overcast day in London. Very good. What was your um, very very good? What was your um, 
what was your uh, drink of choice yesterday? San Miguel. Was it? Real classy sort of number. <laughs> okay. Were, were, were it like bottles or were it pints? Uh, no, tins. Uh, tins? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the game? Just at mine, just right here. It's just window open, not too open because obviously it was 16 degrees, so it was a little bit chilly, but it was, you know, it was nice. Mate, isn't it? What's that, sorry? Your housemate, yeah? Yeah, yes, that's correct, yeah. And who's he support? So he's, a, sorry, he's a Leeds fan, but my mate really? also came and he's a West Ham fan. Of course, oh, of really? Two Sharp Reds fame uh, appeared uh, doing a, a West Ham message that one episode. Yes. He did, yeah. So obviously he would have been very jovial, very, uh, very happy. West well, he's, he, you know, he, he was wanting Arsenal to win. He was wanting them for me. And it's Spurs, you know, it's kind of a. Really want me, or are you just making it up? No, well, he's a good actor, if that's the case, because he was being very supportive. So that was so good. Does he dislike Spurs more than he does oh, uh, yeah. Arsenal? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's pretty normal for a West Ham fan, would you say? Yeah. yeah. That's probably right. pretty... I think... I, I think so. I think unless you're a Spurs fan, Arsenal are pretty non-offensive for a lovely yeah. club. Really, aren't they? Well, it's, like, it's like that season when Leicester won the, the Premier League title. Other than Spurs fans, no one wanted Spurs to win it. Correct. Correct. As it should be. Order restored. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, uh, until, you know, um, I suppose it's the end of the episode now, so we won't speak for another seven days, but um, I just, I hope you're well. I hope you're enjoying your time in Spain and you're just, I don't know. I'm, I'm, look, I'm, I'm very envious. There's nothing else I can say on it. Just trying to uh, just, humble. It is really tough. And there's not many people who can hold, you know, could handle this. Um, I'm taking one for the team. Yeah. And, you know, listen, I'll, I'll do it. Begrudgingly, I'll do it and I'll stick it out for at least another seven days when we catch up again in this very spot and have another chat uh, about the excitement of football and also, obviously, over a fantastic bottle of red wine. Love it, mate. Cheers. Enjoy your week. Cheers, mate. Can't wait for the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.